Masters, welcome to the next session. An advice podcast for game masters who are seeking help with their next game session. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. And um, just so you guys know, I just finished a small bout of hiccups, and I'm pretty sure they're all gone, but just in case the odd hiccup slips out and I can't edit it, that's why. The odd hiccup. The odd hiccup, which really sounds like um, a good name for like a Reddit account or something. That's true. I was actually thinking it'd be like a fun children's book. The odd hiccup. I like yeah. that. What are your go-to hiccup? Um, remedies? Yeah. Oh. I'm glad you said remedies because my brain went get ridders of. <laughs> your go-to hiccup get get ridders Get ridders of. of. Um, I think I usually, I sip water and I hold my breath. Actually, the thing that At I At the do, same time? No. Although you could. <laughs> um <laughs> But no, I, I, I sip a lot of water, like little little tiny sips of water. And then I hold my breath until I can't hold it any longer. And then I breathe out and breathe back in and continue to hold my breath. Mm. And I do that basically until the hiccups go away. <laughs> I, uh, Which I don't know if it actually does anything. No, but, but it makes you... I mean, I feel like all the hiccup remedies are like that. Um, I have a small ritual... Um, and I don't know who taught this to me. It fits to your small bout of hiccups. (laughs) I don't know who taught this to me, but what I do is I take a glass of water, a full, like, pint glass of water, and I take a sip, and before I swallow it, I I look all the way up to the ceiling and then swallow. So, like, my throat is elongated. You can't see, because... But she's doing a but thing I'm with But I'm doing her. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you swallow. And it kind of hurts a little bit to swallow that way, but you do that with the entire glass, and it does something to your throat, and it makes my hiccups go away. In this case, I laid down like I was going to go to sleep, and I almost fell asleep, and then went, oh, crap, we got to record, and then uh, woke back up again, and oh, they were gone. So the classic scare you into it. Yes, the sleep <laughs> scare you into it. Yeah. it. That's like when you, you wake up and you go, what time is it? Oh my God, I missed my alarm. Oh God, I'm late for work. I actually did that today because uh, oh, yeah. I took a nap when Sabie took a nap mm-hmm. and um, and I woke up like all of a sudden and like, uh, oh my God, what time is it? What's going on? <laughs> kind of moment. And then I was like, oh, no, it's, she's still asleep and I'm just laying in bed. Have you fine. seen that? There's a comic where the guy goes like, oh my God, I'm late for class. Wait a minute. I'm 32. I don't have school. Right, and then goes back to sleep, and then the next panel is him, the phone ringing, and it's the or it's a text, and the boss says, um, "Where are you?" Yeah, <laughs> you're so late. You're so late. Where are you? Um, cool. Hey, next session. Let's do it. Well, oh, okay. Let's do some uh, next session help. Yeah. So we have a pretty long next session question from a repeat questioner. This is question. from. Questioner. Benry 007. Oh. Don't know du- if you remember. I do remember Benry 007. Yeah. Benry 007 is asking yeah. another question. Um, so we're going to do their question and then a couple of Ask a GMs after cool. the break. That sounds great. Yeah, because this is a little long. So if you well, don't want to listen to a long one. I'll talk a lot one, about it then. Well, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. If you don't want to listen to a long one, um, just, you know, fast forward until you get to after the ad break. Or, like, what are you doing? Like, isn't that the whole podcast? Like, that's the... This is kind of the whole podcast, but... It's it's basically our shtick, I mean... (laughs) I get it. They might not want... They might be like, okay, yeah, move on, Benry007. They really just want to get to the... Use that spell. That's the best part of the podcast. (laughs) I don't know that we're doing that this time. Oh, no! 
Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, Benry007 says, Tom, Vicky, and Becky, stop listening now. Hey, Tom, Vicky, and Becky, skip ahead. Skip ahead. This skip isn't ahead. for you. Um, so, it's the last session, and we, we will have online. Afterwards, we will finally be able to meet in person to play. Yay! I have a few vague ideas, but I'm struggling to prepare something useful. The players are testing a portal for some wizards. As part of it, they're stuck in an unknown plane of existence for four days. They've ended up in the Beast Lands, a place filled with beasts. Makes sense. It's appropriately named. Yep. <laughs> They've been chased by dinosaurs. They've had a few tough fights, and it's the end of day two, and they've made friends with a tribe of cat people dealing with an issue they had. Um, they still have two more days uh, to gather as much information about the plane as possible so the wizards can identify where they went. They don't know the name of it yet. The more info the party can get, the better and bigger the reward. The rogue. Okay, so they, Benry007 splits up this question into the three characters. So here's oh, what's okay. going on with the rogue. One of the players is a tabaxi rogue, and the tribe of cat people have promised to train her in the use of an exotic weapon called a casa. They are basically metal claws that go over her regular claws. They are a finesse, light, and a d6 damage. I was thinking when she's trained in them, I'd also make her tabaxi claws finesse as she learns a new way to fight with them. A nice boon for a rogue for if they find themselves weaponless. What I don't know, though, is how they will train her. They don't have long before she leaves. Can you think of some kind of quest or something to speed up the training and make it feel realistic or satisfying? So that's the rogue. The paladin. Uh, the paladin can't sleep in his heavy armor. The chief has woolly armor, which is a homebrew armor made from the wool of a sheep god. I was thinking the players could find the sheep god and compete, complete a quest for it to get uh, their own. Maybe finding a lost sheep, rescuing it from a pack of wolves. This seems simple enough, but if if you have another idea, I'd love to hear it. Okay, the warlock. So the warlock has been a bit left out of this adventure, as her skills aren't that relevant, and she doesn't have a personal connection to a lot of what's going on. As far as ideas, um, she has a spider staff, um, which is a magic item that she doesn't use, not even attuned to it. Would it make sense for a spider god to speak to her in dreams, asking her to bring the staff to her? If so, what could be the result? She is a friend. Uh, she's a friend warlock, so nothing connects her here. But she, oh, a fiend! Ha! Yeah. She's a fiend warlock, so nothing connects her here. But she's always on the lookout for more power. Sorry for how long this is. So we've got the rogue, the paladin, and the warlock. They have two days left in the beast lands. And they have to gather as much information about these lands as possible for the wizards that they're testing the portal for. And they want to make it personal and fun. I'm a, okay. Okay. So I love, I love all the information about the characters because that is at the real heart of like making an amazing D and D game in general is the more you can know about the characters, the more you can know about the players, the more you can utilize and leverage those things to make it feel personal and engaging and, and all of those things. So I'm a little unclear of what the goal is, because the goal seems like just find out as much information about this area. But the information, it's sort of as much information is, is sort of whatever you give them. Yeah, it sounds like they're stuck in this realm until um, the fourth day when they report back to the wizards. 
And now they're in this sort of safe place with this tribe, so they don't have to fight beasts anymore. Right. And so they're kind of working on their personal things, and what what can they do? So it actually seems to me like, like the real uh, question here is, how can I make sure that I give a little bit of a personal character journey to each of the player characters with the remaining time left in this campaign? And if that's the question, then I think that's that's an awesome place to start. Let's go through them one at a time. Okay. Okay, so we have this rogue uh, who is a cat person, and maybe these, it was a tabaxi, which is a cat person, if you're not familiar. Um, and the, you know it sounds like there are these tribal. Tabaxi cat is. Yeah, tabaxi cat. That's exactly who would be familiar with this. Yes. Um, and it sounds like there's these tribal cats, which may or may not be actually tabaxi, right? There could be all sorts of other kinds of cat people yeah. that exist within the world, and especially in a homebrew campaign. That's totally possible. So these other cat people may have some skills, some culture that this tabaxi is not aware of. Um, and I think there's a there's a real opportunity there to, to lean in on that on that idea yeah. of like um, this is a different culture or a pre tabaxi culture. So you, oh. this could be this could be you know this is a, a hidden bestial land. This could be cat people like the tabaxi, but a little, a little more tribal, a little more, a little less, uh, uh, sort of human, human, you know, down the line of humans. Like, like you've gone back in time, butterfly effect. Right, right. Thing. A little bit, you know, a little bit of like uh, Neanderthals or whatever. And now you're going to learn from whatever the benefit that they have. You're going to reconnect to your roots in a way that other Tabaxi can't do. So, right. so the the suggestion that that was given was was the idea of, of um, increasing um, the the claws. That they're going to train her in these casa mm-hmm. metal claws that go over her regular real claws. Perfect. So, like, really leaning in on the idea of, like, you don't use weapons. You use these things. We, we enhance our own, our own natural abilities. Um so one of the hardest parts, and this is this is just something that you're going to have to face as a game master in this, and it's really going to depend on the players that you have. Anytime you want to do a personal character journey, you're going to run into the challenges of how do you make this personally related to one character while at the same time still give opportunity for the other players to be involved mm-hmm. in that. And you want to like uh, allow for that for that dynamic where... It isn't completely focused on a single player, but you do want them to be kind of the spotlight in this in this particular interaction. If I had to say, I think one classic trope for for sort of a, a tribal um, thing is to have like a, a, a what is it called a rite of passage. Uh, often it's it's like go on a hunt, you know, like um, like the movie Three Hundred. Uh, you have to survive in the wilds and you have to hunt a, a dangerous beast. And that is how you prove yourself in the rite of passages. Right, right. Is you've completed your hunt because you've killed this dangerous beast and you've returned with it uh, or something along those lines. And you did it on your own. Um, and they could do something like that. And I think you could include the other players by effectively saying you're not allowed to bring anything with you on this hunt. And and the tabaxi has to do the same. You're not allowed to bring weapons. You're not allowed to bring armor. You're not allowed to bring supplies. And then put everybody out into the into the wilds to hunt something dangerous. Like the whole group or just the tabaxi? I think you could do it as the whole group, but you could say like 
the tabaxi has to be the one who gets the kill. Well, so I think it makes sense for the rogue to do it on their own because they only have two more days here. I think it would if you can couple it with everybody else's on their own quest all at the same time. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Because the problem is, is that if you have the rogue do this on their own, especially if you run like a combat, you really either have to limit it so that it's not going to take a crazy amount of time where everybody's just sitting around watching the rogue do stuff, or you have to um, be okay. You're like, your players all have to be all right with with like, okay, well, the rogue's doing the whole thing. We're going to spend an hour, or two, hour and a half, or two hours or something of our of our game time uh, waiting for the rogue to right. go through their thing. And even if you have really engaged players and really supportive players, that's still a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask to, to have that kind of focus on a single player. Well, so my thought was that each of these things is focused on a single player. And so it, it, it can be tough for Benry 007, but maybe they can say, okay, the next beat is you're doing this. Let's let's go through it. And then switch the next beat for the wizard, the next beat for the paladin. Right. Um, if, if you can set up, and that might be one way to do this, which is to basically be like, each of you are going to be going on your own little paths, your own little journeys, but we're going to play them all out at the same time. Right. And jump cut to here and jump cut to there kind right. of a thing. Which is okay, but they have to be journeys that all can align that way. Right. Now, the other thing, the other thought I had for this rogue with the claws, which I love the claws, by the way. I think they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, cool idea. I like that a lot. Yeah, it reminds me of of Black Panther a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I thought is to include the other players is you could have them be target practice. They have to train against the other players? Uh, Yeah, like they have to, like the the rogue needs to use their claws. And so now... um, there's sort of a, a montage, the training montage, where the paladin and the wizard or the warlock are, um, maybe one of them has an apple on top of their head. And maybe, like, you have to learn how to how to spar against different kinds of weapons with your new claws and hmm. so on and so forth. So it can be kind of a fun montage, roll a couple of, you know, attack rolls, pit, it off, pit them off of each other kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's a that that could totally be like a super fun way to do it. Although um, I do like I, I do like the the opportunity for everybody to to be thrown into the. I, I still like the I still like the trial by yeah go, right go kill passage. The beast. Um, and I think the way that I would do that if I wanted to have them all be there instead of have the split. Um, I think you're totally right. You could have the split up. I think if I wanted to have them all be there, then what I would do is I would say it's a beast that you have to fight and there's other things that are trying to get in and the other two players have to basically like stop the other things from getting into the battle. This is because you like Monster Hunter, isn't it? This is no, Monster it's Hunter. No, it's not a... Well, I mean, it, it is feels a little like Monster it. Hunter. Oh I, no, a pink Rathalos is coming down. I'm really picturing like like that scene from 300 where he's like hunting the wolf and it's it's all narrative. It's all... Is, there's a scene at the beginning of 300 where they're describing King Leonidas when he was a, a kid and he's there's like a dangerous wolf while he's out on his hunt and all he has is a spear um, and he like leads the wolf into a narrow crevice so that he can use the the environment to his advantage and blah 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 and he you is, know, strikes is, down the wolf with a single strike or something. Is this the this is Sparta kick? No, this is all before that. No, um, is this the same movie? Oh, it's the same movie, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I have seen this movie. I just don't remember it. It's a pretty brutal movie, but it does have these amazing action scenes. I mean, some of the 
some of the action stuff is is so like over the top cinematic. Yeah. Um and and it makes for very descriptive opportunity. Right. I must have had my eyes closed. There's also sort of a That's for me. There's a lot of scenes course. that have a narrator who is describing what is happening in the scene like as you're watching the scene, which is very interesting. So it's like a, a storybook. It does have like a very kind of storybook. Yeah. Well, it has a comic book feel because it's actually based on a comic book. Oh, didn't um, I? And so, uh, but it definitely like has that feel in the execution of the movie. Mm. And and that's kind of what I'm picturing here too is is like the the teammates support to a event that is focused on a on a player, but the teammates get to feel like they're supporting that player also. Yeah. Um, which which I think is a more powerful way to go then splitting the party yeah but but, but know, harder because you have to be more, a little more you, you have to creatively come up with ways for the other players to be there and be doing stuff but not but not necessarily be you know actually the spotlight also they, you have to have players that are willing to do that right, yeah. <laughs> the, the split the party has the has the uh, advantage that even if you have players that are trying to sort of steal the spotlight they can't because they're somewhere else um they can hold up score signs i think the training dummy idea is a lot of fun but i also think that it's uh a little more goofy and i'm of the opinion as a game master i like to i like to have goofy goofiness in my games but i also like to sparse it with like serious moments Mm -hmm. um sparse i don't know what that means i just made up a word there intersperse intersperse it with serious moments there you go um i like to intersperse my comedy with serious moments which i think contrasts the comedy a lot a lot more and i like those serious moments as like real opportunities to help a player role play and be in their character um i think that one of the things that i see a lot of game masters do is all the role play is always goofy and that's fun um and it can work but your players never learn how to role play serious and i think giving the players the opportunity to have some serious role play and some serious interaction and stuff in their backstory is is an important way in which they can like learn to be in their character in ways that are goofy and serious um okay Let's move on to the paladin. Yeah, let's move on to the paladin. So the paladin um, can't sleep in their heavy armor. The chief has woolly armor made from the wool of a sheep god. And so the idea here is that the paladin has to go on a quest of their own to get the wool from the sheep god. So the thought is maybe they have to find a lost sheep and rescue it from a pack of wolves. Something like that. I mean, this is a beast land, so I would make it a little bit harder than a pack of wolves. But... Um, I like the idea of having a sheep god, some sort of like ba ba ram you sort of a. Is the who who does the paladin worship? Does the paladin worship a sheep god? Or no, not? I don't think so. I think that the Tabaxi clan, the the cat clan, has this. Uh, woolly, they maybe have a sheep god. Or they have this woolly armor from a sheep god, and so they're saying the only way to get this wool is to. There was a reference in god of war one of the god of war games to a uh, golden fleece oh. which i think was also a reference to something in greek mythology that i i uh, i'm pretty good at greek mythology but that goes over my head so whatever whatever that is a reference to i'm not sure i get but um it was like a golden fleece that you get and then it gives you a special ability like you can deflect attacks or something um i do like the idea of like the like a woolly armor woven from the thread of a of um you know sheep god chosen 
yeah. sheared. And it doesn't have to be a sheep god. I mean, you are in a made-up land, the land of beasts. There could be a beast that has maybe the front uh, of this animal has this specific kind of fur that you have to harvest. You know, speaking of Monster Hunter, what is that creature that looks like a bat that puffs up like a frog? Oh, uh, Palumu. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that one. Google that. <laughs> I do I do like the idea that the paladin... So if I was going to have everybody split up on their quests, right? Um, I like the idea that the paladin's quest here could be... I, I don't think it has to be a sheep god. I think it could be the paladin's god who requests this of him. And it could be sort of unrelated to the tabaxi in this land. Like, you know, the, the cat person goes to the rogue, goes to the tabaxi and says, I want you, I want you to train me and learn how to do this thing, tabaxi. Or the, the cat people in the land go, uh, oh, okay, well, you can go through our rite of passage and in so earn our, our trust and our training, something like that. And then the paladin can go, well, if you're going to go do that, uh, I'm going to pray to my god and... And the paladin's god says, "I have a I have a special mission that's just for you," and sends him off on on his own mission, or or him or her, um, off on their own mission. And I think, I think paladin is a is male and warlock, oh, and okay. rogue or female. Okay, so I think, and then the the mission there could totally be, um, there is a sheep that has been separated from the flock. I like the idea that the paladin's mission is all about faith. Paladins, in my mind, are are a class that is about faith and sort of stalwart loyalty uh, or steadfast loyalty in the face of of certain corruption. And so I think the the message here of like the paladin's God going, I need you to bring a sheep home with no further information, with no further message and no further importance as to why this sheep is important or unimportant. You get there and it's just a sheep. And you have to go through like tremendous sort of trials of like carrying this dumb sheep yeah, all the way back home. Like Princess uh, Rudo or whatever her name yeah, is. Yeah, in, from, uh, yeah, exactly, Ocarina from Ocarina of Time. Where you have to carry her and she's just harumph. Right, and she's, and she's like totally unhelpful what? the whole time. A and, witch with a bee. Yeah. Uh, and I think this could totally be that kind of same kind of even though that whole puzzle sequence is just so annoying and <laughs> in master quest there's cows inside of jockey yeah, jockey's belly strange. it's real weird um but i think that then you can have you know chased by wolves and other beasts and you know have to scale cliffs and all this stuff yeah. that the paladins have to go through to get the sheep home and the sheep is constantly being unhelpful yeah and is constantly like unaware of the danger that it's putting itself and the paladin into like buttons and mindy from animaniacs right exactly (laughs) and the paladin those poor paladins having to go through all this all this terrible stuff and i i like it even better if like the paladin's armor gets destroyed as a result and and like gets really beat up throughout the whole thing and like has to burn through all their abilities just to get this sheep home and the whole time has to continually make the choice to bring the sheep when they could choose not to. I like that. I also like the idea that maybe at the end of all of this, when you bring the sheep home, that's where you find the portal back to your realm. The portal opens up again. Hmm. Like that moment or the or yeah, the location? Like that moment. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. As a yeah, sort of be. like heavy-handed metaphor for bringing him home. Um, just, to, just to interject here, the Golden Fleece... Greek mythology uh, 
It's the fleece of a gold-haired winged ram in the story of Jason and his group of Argonauts. Hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, there you go. Winged ram. A winged ram. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and then obviously at the end of all of it, the... As you shear the sheep's wool or whatever, it's it's stronger than steel or yeah. whatever. And Maybe when the sheep gets back to the flock, um, it's it's fur or whatever grows right two times as much. There was a <laughs> set of armor in the early days of World of Warcraft uh, for the paladin in World of Warcraft that looked like cloth armor. It, the The look of the armor was cloth, um, but it was full plate mail. Uh, obviously, because that was the kind of armor that they wore in the game. Uh, but the, the the contrast of between the look being cloth and the and the sort of fact that it was full plate protection was just always such a cool concept to me. So I love the idea of like a almost cloak or or like woolen uh, armor that is uh, soft as wool but uh, hard as steel Strong when you strike steel. it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a cool it's a cool concept. I, I really like that idea that. Uh, um, yeah, makes it comfy to sleep in. Yeah, our double O agent came up with on this one, so nice, nice job on that. I like, I like that a lot. All right. Oh wait, wait, wait. I still want another suggestion for the paladin. If you want the whole party to go together. Oh, um, if the whole party goes together. Because the the trial with the sheep sort of works if you want the whole party to go together, but not great. Yeah, it's it mostly feels like a by yourself thing. Right. Maybe there's some sort of puzzle where you have to, like, get a bunch of sheep. Um, oh, okay. Maybe like uh, handle the flock. Yeah, it's an entire flock, and they're 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 in charge of keeping the rest of the flock together while you go get the the other one. Uh, it could be, or or maybe the whole the whole party has to like uh, rather than it being a single sheep, the party has a flock of sheep. Yeah, not just one. Yeah, it's and you a... have to bring it back down the mountain. Right. Um... And then it's it's much more sort of a moving combat than it is like a series yeah. of, of trials. Uh, it could still be fun. And you could still let the paladin be kind of the, the you know, shining defender um, by having more things come at the flock while there are more powerful things come at the flock from the paladin's side or whatever. You basically just have like a whole bunch of sheep and, and like the, they're all five hit point sheep or something. <laughs> and then you have the players... You know, take up positions and strategically figure out how to how to defend that 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 kind of thing. Yeah, so that that could be interesting. I don't think it's as powerful as the the single mission with just the paladin going, but I think it would it would serve it's, the it's it would doable. serve the yeah it's doable and it would serve the purpose uh, if you wanted to keep the whole party together for each of these events. Okay, so the warlock um, hardest one has been left out of this adventure. Her skills aren't that relevant. She doesn't have a personal connection to a lot of what's going on. Um, she does have a... Oh, as far as ideas, she has a spider staff that she doesn't use. She doesn't even have it attuned. So maybe doing something with a spider staff. Um, she is a fiend warlock, so nothing connects her. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of beasts in this land of the beasts. Maybe one of them is a fiend. I mean, you could totally do that. I actually think warlocks are um, often very easy to motivate if they're big into the way in which they're being a warlock. The fact that, that it doesn't sound like this warlock player has much connection to their own backstory based on the way that that um, our, our questioner... What is, what is it? Benry. Benry. 
that, that Benry is um, is asking the question. Uh, it sounds kind of like, you know, you have some players that are like big into their role play. They create these elaborate backstories. They're happy to have you sort of twist knives on on use things in the backstories to help motivate them forward. And then you have other players that just never got into that part of the game. Yeah. You know, they're, they're into the mechanics or... Or they're, or they're just in it to have something to do and be with friends. Yeah, exactly. Which, which is fine. Nothing wrong with any of that, right? Everybody's going to approach the game in a different way. And so if this, it kind of sounds like this may be that, that ladder, right? They're a player who, they want to play the game and they want to hang out with friends and they never really bothered to make all that compelling of a backstory, right? They're playing a warlock because it sounded like an interesting character, not because they wanted to get deep into the idea of contracts with fiends and stuff like that. So... One possibility here, and I could be wrong, you know, I'm basing all this on a paragraph of, of description. Right. So I could be totally wrong. And if, if I am, Benry, feel free to, to go this other route. Um, one possibility here is you could could rely on the, the pact with the fiend as a motivator. Um, the same way you do with the paladin or with the cleric, where you can say, your god said you have to go do this. That's that's enough of a motivation for any paladin or cleric. Yeah. The, because the the threat is if you go, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Then the god gets to go, okay, you don't have any powers anymore. <laughs> yeah. So maybe the fiend shows up and says, ooh, you are in the land of the beast. This is a rare opportunity. Right. I need you to go collect the toenails of a Garganath or go. Right. You know. And it could be just just a a, a fetch quest of of a. You know, from a powerful beast. Yeah, I mean, if the sheep is a... Um, that's totally a fetch quest. No, it's, it's not a fetch quest. It's an escort quest. Oh, yeah, quest. it's an escort mission. So then you could do an escort or a, a fetch quest with the uh, the warlock, and then right. you've got a training montage right. for a new weapon. It's, this is the best video game. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to call it Beastlands, one, Land of the Beasts. If you can rely on the pact with the fiend as a motivating factor, that if, if that seems like something that would be good for this player. Then I love the idea. I love your idea of, of go and f- fetch a thing. And that could be, you know, battle with a beast kind of thing. Har- harvest some... Right. Like this just Sne- Monster Hunter Sneak into again. a lair and, and harvest something from a long dead corpse. Um, the bones of, a, of an ancient creature that, that once was here or something like that. All super good idea. However, what I would do is I would say that you actually have to steal something from the cat people. Oh, dum-bum-bum. Because that creates the opportunity for the warlock to suddenly be slightly at odds and slightly um, hiding something from the other players. And the other players know that this is going on, but the other characters don't. And now you've got this interesting play that can happen between the warlock and the rogue where the warlock has stolen something sacred from the cat people because they are going to give it to their fiendish pact. Um, but that is a violation of the trust between them and the rogue. And maybe the warlock has guilt about it. Maybe the rogue doesn't know about it but finds out later. And the these cat people are important to the rogue because they are a connection to their own culture or something. Mm-hmm. And so even though you know the rogue never knew these cat people before, now all of a sudden the cat people like had them go through these trials and is connected with them and and said like you are now a trusted member you and you and your friends are now trusted members of our of our uh, group uh and the warlock has just stolen their sacred stone uh and i think that could be a really interesting thing and then the the piece here is less about 
um, is much more a role play piece with like a small puzzle. What what the scene is for the warlock is it's sneak in, um, you know, put someone to sleep or or figure out an interesting way to break into this sort of tent that's always guarded or something, steal the sacred stone, replace it with a fake, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. They'll never know. Uh, and but before they do, you'll be long gone. Exactly. And the fiend is like, you know, hey, this is the easiest I could ever possibly make it for you. Like, I know you don't want to do this. That's okay. I'll make it easy for you. You're going to replace it with a fake. They aren't even using the power of the stone. They just they just worship it and, and bow to it. Yeah, they don't know about it. They don't even know that it's that it's a powerful artifact. And you're going to give it to me, and you'll never know what it did either. Um, and it'll benefit me, and therefore, it'll benefit you too. I'll become more powerful, and that'll help you become more powerful. And like you get you get the opportunity to be all the good things that a good fiend can be in all those moments, um, and that is a that's a powerful role play yeah, that you could have with move. that warlock, right? Um, that is exactly the direction that I would go because also now you've got this really interesting thing um, in the in the dynamics, just like you were saying, right? It's it's a good video game. You've got this training montage or or a rite of passage or whatever that the rogue is doing. You've got this, this um, uh, you know, rescue the flock or rescue the sheep that the paladin is doing. And then you've got this amazing backstab happening on the warlock's part. Yeah. Now, how would you include the other players in this? Mm-hmm-hmm. Great question. Um, I have no idea. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, if I knew that I was leading towards a powerful moment, this might be where I would say, okay, do I want to do all the solo missions in this case? Or do I want to make three different other missions? I think we need to do it all the solo missions with this. Because this one this the, one cinches it, right? Yeah, this this one is the one it. that allows it to be, to, that, that gives you reason to make them solo missions. Right, that you can then flip back and forth. So the right. reveal... You do them all at the same time. Yeah, so the reveal of, um, okay, so you're going to have to do this. And then they get to the warlock and... Your fiend shows up and you play out the scene, and right. then and the other players can do nothing because right. their characters are not there. The paladin is off, right. you know, scrambling up cliffs to try to get this this stupid sheep, and the rogue is is battling against a, a you know a terrible uh, monster with nothing but their their claws at their side, um, and the warlock is there at the camp with no one to guard them and no one to keep watch on them as their fiend visits them and says, "I will take away your power and hurt your friends." If you do not do this thing for me. Right. Um, and now all of a sudden, like, whoa, now you've got a story. That yeah. is that is a powerful yeah. moment. Mwah. And especially when you have that, the like, like you, you introduce the plot lines of the other two people. Yeah, you do doing their first. thing. Right, right. Uh, you don't do the whole thing, right? No. Just like you said, you're flitting back and forth between them. And you've got the you've got the amazing moments of the of the rogue. And you've got the whole introduction of the rogue. You go off into the woods, leaving behind everything that you have with only your claws at your side and 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 like a you know a stick to carry with you or something and you've got the the paladin and he finally like meets up with the sheep and then has to find to find a way to bring it home and then you turn around to the warlock and you go you are alone in your tent and you hear a familiar voice calling from behind you and like oh man that's good that's yeah. that is that is the rich yep. uh role play that i really want to get to of all those situations cool yeah benry 007 i hope this helps i'm so excited for this yeah now. i really really hope you do this <laughs> i know i really you're hope probably so listening going 
But yeah, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which <laughs> is how okay. this is that's how I assume everybody listens. That you know, with a question, you know go, what? To be yeah, to be fair, that's, that. that is a lot of what we what we do too. Because I will you know talk to you about uh, some campaign I'm going to run or something like that, and and you'll go, oh, I've got this great idea, and I'll be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah, not going to do that. I'm not going to do that though. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll suggest 15 other things, and then he'll finally go. Mm-hmm. That one thing you did, that had you had that had some like bones, but like, like I'm gonna go off in this other out. direction that's way better, and I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, not, but Ghost Pirates was my thing. I'll be I'll be honest <laughs> and say it's not always way better. <laughs> Sometimes in execution, I go back and I go, oh, that would have been actually a lot better. <laughs> I kind of wish I had done that after. Or all. he has so many storylines in his head that later he'll go, man, I had this great idea, and I'll go, that was my idea. Oh yeah, that does that does unfortunately mm-hmm. sometimes happen. I'm glad you remind me though. I always mm-hmm. want to give credit where credit's due when I can remember to do so. Man, mm-hmm. I'm excited for this. Yeah. I really want to hear how that comes together. But for right now, it's time to take a break. Yeah. All right. We're back. Oh, are you waiting on me to say it? Nope. No. Oh, okay. We're back. <laughs> you want me to do it again? Nope. And we're back. There you go. Oh, there we go. That happened. Um, so we're back with um, two. We have two Ask a GM questions. So Perfect. I'm not even going to ask you what you did on your break. I'm skipping it. I wrote an Ask the GM question. Oh crap! Yeah. We don't have time for three, Adam. We got to uh, do these other two. All right, let's do these ones. Okay. Yeah. This <laughs> one is from Whiskey Bent Hellbound. Oh, whiskey, a whiskey bent hell bound. Mm-hmm. I feel like it should be whiskey bent hell hound. I, I did too. I actually had to read it like three times yeah. to see that it was in fact a B. Yeah. Do you know hell the, bound. um, the phonetic alphabet, like the one they use? The on... NATO phonetic alphabet? Yeah. Yeah. No, like, not really. <laughs> Alpha, Bravo, Charlie. Yeah. I know some of them. Yeah. I'm not so that familiar. So B is in Bravo. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> not H is in. As in Havo. I, no. <laughs> I know that that's not, I know that that's all right. I just really enjoyed that joke. You're fired. <laughs> all right. Let's we are that. we are uh, taking um, applications for a new co-host uh, new podcast. Co-host. Yeah. co-host. Yep. Next session podcast. <laughs> Please send all email replies to. The bar's real low, everyone. <laughs> it's a real low bar. Um. Okay. Whiskey Bent Hell Bound says, Sending Stone Logic. I'm looking for some suggestions or clarifications on the use of sending stones. Right now, one of my players found a sending stone clutched in the hands of his character's dead brother. Bum, bum, bum. All of the other PCs think it's a trap, which is fine. But I do want to express to this other character that there is someone on the other end of the stone, and that person needs rescuing. How do you use the stones? Does it vibrate in his pocket? Could he, quote-unquote, answer it like a cell phone? How would he, quote-unquote, get the message? Any other tips you've got for sending stones are very helpful here, too. Okay, the first tip that I have for sending stones is that an alternate name for sending stones that's hilarious is Rocky Talkie. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a rock that yes. you talk to. Um, the, uh, I always treat sending stones... As I mostly treat it like a cell phone, to be honest. 
Um, sometimes I'll treat it like a uh, like a walkie-talkie, where you sort of push a button and talk, and then somebody on the other side can hear you talking. But most of the time, I think like it does have some kind of vibration or. I think I usually say like it sends out like a magical signal. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in the description, which I'm going to look up, but I'm pretty sure in the description it says something like they like as soon as you pick it up, you know that someone is on the other line or not, essentially. Oh, I didn't know that, actually. I'm pretty sure, but the Internet is being real slow right now. So never mind. Look it up yourself. (laughs) Best (laughs) podcast in the world. (laughs) Look yeah, at yourself, listener. No, no, I'll cut all this out. Sending stones come in pairs with each smooth stone carved to match the other so the pairing is easily recognized. While you touch one stone, you can use an action to cast the sending spell from it. The target is the bearer of the other stone. If no creature bears the other stone, you know that fact as soon as you use the stone and don't cast the spell. So that's where I'm thinking, like, as soon as you go to try to send a message, you can tell if nobody has it. So no one's going to get it. So you don't waste a spell on it. Once sending is cast through the stones, they can't be used again until the next dawn. If one of the stones in a pair is destroyed, the other one becomes non-magical. Which is which is a good thing to know. Like if you destroy one of the stones and not the other, then now you just have a rock. A nice smooth one. Um, so the actual text for sending. For the spell sending. For the spell sending, which the stones activate is you send a short message of 25 words or less to the creature with which you are familiar. The creature hears its message in its mind, recognizes you as the sender if it knows you, and can answer in a like manner immediately. Um, the I don't really like that all that much as a, as a sending property. Obviously it sends it to the stone instead, or the holder of the stone, or whatever. I like it more as a as a walkie-talkie or a or a cell phone. <laughs> so you want it to be like a like a text message, like you want the or like a journal. No, I would just let you talk into it, and then the other person can talk back. Can they hear exactly it? like a cell phone? Okay. Yeah, I think, and I think other people can overhear the conversation exactly like a cell phone. I think I would treat basically sending stone as a cell phone that can literally only call one other one other cell phone and only be used once a day. No, I also probably wouldn't hold to that. Although I would make those adjustments depending on what. I did for it, so I might say, like, this is a sanding stone that can only be used once a day. This is a more limited one as opposed to... How would you know you got a message? Would it be unusually warm in your pocket? Sure. Or... or... I like vibrating. Vibrate? That's pretty good. (laughs) That that way you can be, like, standing there, and there's, like, the bad guy, and he's got a sword to your throat, and you hear this, like, zzz, zzz. (laughs) Oh, sorry, man. Hold on. I gotta gotta take this. I I got a voicemail. Um... I think that's a I think that's a fun idea. So I think I would treat it all of those ways, even if the rules don't necessarily call it that. I think the there's a there's a term for this, but like the reincorporation of modern technology into anachronistic um, like settings, I think is is like a hilarious concept. Um, you and I have had lots of discussions. We've about had this, lots of discussions this particular about this. Thing. We have a friend who likes to do this a lot. And anything goes. <laughs> and you have so many problems. And I have so many that. problems with it because I feel like it, for example, if there's a Dairy Queen that's randomly around the corner, 
then that <laughs> tells me a lot a about the real, world. Real example. Yes, this is a real example. That tells me a lot about the world. Like, is there electricity? Like, I can order on a machine. They have a they have a till. They have uh, ice cream machines. Ice cream exists. Like, you know, it 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 makes a lot of things true. Which then I want to be able to use later or not use later. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> there could be a Dairy Queen around the corner, but. I also assume that the Dairy Queen around the corner is not like a normal Dairy Queen. It is like a medieval Dairy Queen, a medieval shop called the Dairy Queen. And I'm going to go in there and it's going to turn out to be like a milk shop or something with a really flamboyant. Yes, uh... but the problem is, is that they don't say that. Yeah. They just say, there's a Dairy Queen. How can I take your order? Here's a blizzard. I'm going to hold it upside down. Which yeah. is a very, it's a very modern thing. They <laughs> yeah. don't explain it in a way that justifies it for the time. Yeah. You make that up to justify it in your mind. And instead, I get mad about it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway. You're probably is the healthier approach. I mean, you know, uh, to be fair, like, because none of it was given any explanation, I don't think that either of our assumptions about it are wrong. Um your assumption may actually be very accurate to what Zach would end up doing, which was the person who was DMing that campaign. You called him out. Yeah, now I he's going to know. Yeah, now he's going to know. And then we'll invite him on the podcast again, and then we'll call him out in person on it. Um, either way, the uh, sending stone question, I think it really depends on whether or not you want to hold true to the, the straight-up rules of the magic item. I do want to remind you that you can customize these things as much as you want to. Yes. So let it be something that is works for what your campaign has and needs and the kind of magic item that you want your players to be able to have. Right. But if you suddenly let your players take pictures with their sending stones because you want it to be exactly like a cell phone, then right. have and that conversation with Send it on a bird your... network. Right. Have that conversation <laughs> with your players. Yes, we did do that, didn't yeah, we? Also, oh a thing gosh. that happened in the campaign. Yes, you were like you hated. That you were like too. tweeting with a guard on a sending. It wasn't stone. me. That was Zach. <laughs> but it was Rainier running that game. Um, the <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, but if you if you do want to have those things, yeah, definitely think about how your players might struggle with that as a possibility. Um, the other thing to keep in mind here is because this is a plot oriented thing, I think it's okay to say like this sending stone buzzes or something, or you can tell there is somebody on the other side of this. Um, obviously the rules allow you to, to have some knowledge there. Um, but even if the rules didn't, you could still say that and say this particular sending stone can detect whether or not there's somebody on the other side. Right. Um, so, so Bend, bend the rules. Bend the rules to fit with what you need. And sending stones are not so um, ubiquitous that like you can't do whatever you want with them. Maybe this sending stone is made out of a different kind of stone, yeah. which makes it more special. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's a absolutely. jade sending stone. Yeah, I think you could totally do that. Yeah, there you go. Let's move on to all your base are belong to Gus. Ah, that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. All your base are belong to Gus. I'm assuming Gus. They sure do. Yep. They sure do Gus. <laughs> um, would it be wise to assign a player to be the scribe? I spend a lot of time after sessions writing a recap of everything that happened. It would save me a lot of time if I assigned a player to do this or maybe on a rotating schedule and had possibly another player read them off before the session starts. 
my hesitation is either not capturing all the details or not capturing the details that I believe are necessary. Like when you watch a long running TV show and they flash back to a scene from two seasons ago, you know that's going to be important in this week's episode. Having a player take those notes, they're not going to provide that information. The flip side of it is that I would see what the players felt was important and what they really picked up on. That could be a really cool way of developing future storylines. I'm trying to share some of the DM burden with my players if possible so that I can concentrate more on making an awesome game for them. What do you think? So, um... I think yes. I think yes. Um, I was the scribe. Yeah. Although you were already ready to do it without anybody asking. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like in this case, it would it would, might be like a, a like real a, ask. Like an for ask. The, for for me ask. personally, I like to draw or take notes or do something i i actually concentrate better if i'm like working on something in the background if i'm engaging that other half of my brain you know so like if i'm staring down at a piece of paper and drawing i'm actually really listening um and i i like to think i take good notes yeah you do you take great notes and your drawings are are spectacular of the campaigns and and are awesome to reference later on when we can go oh yeah i remember that guy or i remember that when that happened, like those are amazing to be able to have. If you have players that are willing to take on those roles, I strongly recommend it um, for a bunch of reasons. One of which is you're totally right. The game master works harder than anybody else, um, not only while running the game, but all the time after and before running the game. Uh, it is way more work to be a game master than it is to be a player. Um, no matter how hard the player may work, it's still more work to be the game master. Um, and I think it's totally okay for you to say, I want the players to take off some of this work off my plate and be the scribe. However, um, the one question that I would sort of have for you in this is, is, are the notes necessary for you, for your own purposes of remembering what happened? Right. Or are the notes specifically so that you have some kind of recap you can email out to all your players after the game is over? Because if they're necessary for you, you're going to have to do them anyway. Um, Yeah, exactly. There is no amount of notes that Alyssa, as the scribe who does an amazing job and who draws beautiful pictures, could take for me as the game master that I would actually be able to use as my game master. Yeah, because I'm going to get the names wrong or I'm not going to remember the date that we said or... Or you're going to miss some major part because you were you know, in the middle of drawing for that particular section. Or I'm going to miss a major part because it wasn't major yet. Yeah. Um, There are way too many things that I couldn't possibly expect you to catch in that process. And in fact, I kind of want you not to catch some of those things. Being a good game master often means that I'm leaving a trail of clump- crumbs that you haven't noticed yet. A trail of clumps? Yes, yeah, go on. Yeah, a trail of clumps. <laughs> um, uh, I leave a trail of uh, Eddie Murphy characters, the clumps, oh, God. Uh, from across across all my campaigns, and no one ever notices them, uh, which is amazing because they're very noticeable. <laughs> uh, no, um, it often means I leave a trail of crumbs that no one has noticed yet, and I want that. Because the really brilliant and amazing part when I can do that right is that you suddenly notice that there is a trail of crumbs and then you can look back over everything that has happened and you go, oh my God, this has been the direction these crumbs have been pointing all along and we only just now figured it out. 
And that's a really cool moment. It's an amazing moment as a player. It makes the world feel gigantic. It makes the it may I mean it makes the game master seem brilliant um, because all of a sudden it seems like the game master had a plan all along. And frankly, I do not have a plan all along. Um, I'm not that, that that good at at predicting what my players are gonna do so that I have exactly everything laid out. Um, but it looks good. It looks it looks and feels wonderful, and it feels wonderful from the player's perspective because they feel like they solved a mystery that you were setting up for them, uh, a puzzle that you were setting up. So, all those things being said, you're gonna need your own notes. Also, I think your concern about the idea of the recap can be solved by the fact that you can participate in the recap as much as the, oh, the yeah. players do. I was gonna say like there's nothing saying that your scribe person can't recap and then you can add on or embellish or say yes i'll only add on that blah 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 and then that makes people pay attention because they go oh the right. dm is is jumping in here which is exactly what you want from that kind of thing because when they do the recap at the beginning of the episode they're doing the same thing they want you to go wait a second why are they talking about that thing does that mean that character is going to come back right like that happened a season ago yeah why are they bringing that up now oh my god i wonder if they're finally going to resolve this or whatever the next the next bit of plot is going to be but like it's not like the the showrunners go we're going to recap this bit and then assume you forgot it <laughs> like no they want you to remember it and they want you to pay attention to the fact that they just recapped it um and i think you're doing the same thing as a game master which is great um you want to do that you want to set the 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 stage uh you want to say yes and also um he was defeated and thrown into the portal in the previous campaign and you're like wait a second that guy was thrown into a portal? You're saying that now? You're reminding us of that now? Hmm, okay. Like, that is a that is a cool moment. I want to drop the breadcrumbs so that they remember who this is going to be when I reintroduce them. Yeah. And uh, so that they pay close attention to it. So I think you can totally be a part of the recap process in that. And then you, you get the best of both worlds here. Yeah. And, you know, it's totally fine, too. You don't have to have just one person be a scribe you can have you can rotate it if if that's what your players are comfortable with and will will grab on to um i have had players uh in the past i sort of assign a scribe and i rotate it around and i have them recap it from the perspective of their character mm. like as if their character was giving like a narrative recap oh, intro yeah. to the to the whole thing uh which often is not super successful uh, because the characters, many of the characters in my campaigns are not paying very close attention to anything. Even if the player is, the character often Yeah, but is that not. can be fun. <laughs> and then I stabbed the guy. And then I did and this and I was the greatest. <laughs> yeah. other, other people did things. I don't care. I was the greatest. Right. Uh, often that's what the recap turns into. And then you have to sort of remind what the other players did anyway. Right. <laughs> and, and remind what, you know, what other important things happen. But what that does is it gets you guys into the mood to role play. That's true. I do really like it for that reason. Like, um, it's a warm up. It's a warm up. It's a warm up activity. Yeah. Um, and that can be a lot of fun. And so long as you're willing to then, you know, just interject the extra pieces or whatever, then I think it works great as a warm up for for a player to do. Oh my gosh, this is going long. We got to get on to our next segment. Okay, let's okay. do it. Okay, our next segment is. Search the room. Bump, 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 bump. Search the room. What you gonna find when you search the room? Yeah? Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, we like? 
Um, search a room. Search a room. Yeah, we're gonna do. We're, we're gonna, gonna find a spell. A yeah. not a spell. It's not we're a spell. Gonna... <laughs> Literally the other one. <laughs> we're gonna find a magical. Well, this item. has had a long day, everybody. <laughs> I really have. I, I, you know, it's the weekend. I had to work all weekend. I have to work tomorrow. Yeah. And then I have to work my normal job. It's a whole thing. So I've been saying that a lot too. I've noticed. It's a whole. Thing. It's a whole thing. Yeah, as opposed to a half thing. I haven't said a half thing. It's a half a thing. I always say a whole thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe it should be smaller. It should get smaller and smaller instead of bigger and bigger. <laughs> Why did you start with half then? It should have been three-quarter. It's an eighth thing. <laughs> three-quarter thing. Three, three-quarter thing. All right, moving on. Sunblade. Classic. Classic. Classic Sunblade. It's a weapon, a longsword, that is rare and requires attunement. This item appears to be a longsword hilt. While grasping the hilt, you can use a bonus action to cause a blade of pure radiance to spring into existence or make the blade disappear. It, come on, guys. It's a lightsaber it's sword. A light, light it's totally sword. lightsaber. Yeah. While the blade exists, this magic longsword has the finesse property. This is the second time in this podcast we've mentioned the finesse property, and I don't actually know what it does. Oh, the finesse pop property allows you to use your dexterity for attack rolls and damage bonus on your weapons instead of strength. Cool. So the default for all melee weapons is strength. You can always use your strength on any melee weapon as the attack bonus to your to your weapon, obviously plus your proficiency bonus, assuming you're proficient with the weapon, and as the damage bonus to the weapon. So if I have a plus four to my strength and I'm wielding a dagger, I can still add my attack bonus, add that to my attack bonus, and add it to my damage bonus. So I get my d4 plus four. But if it's a finesse weapon, which daggers are, and many other um, light weapons are, they're considered sort of uh, light, which is why they are finesse weapons. You can use them dexterously rather than strongly. Um, then you can use your dexterity for them instead of your strength. Cool. Okay, so um, if you are proficient with short swords or long swords, you are proficient with the sunblade. You gain a plus two to attack and damage rolls made with this weapon, uh, which deals radiant damage instead of slashing damage. When you hit an undead with it, the target takes an extra 1d8 radiant damage. The sword's luminous blade emits bright light in a 15-foot radius and dim light for an additional 15 feet. The light is sunlight. While the blade persists, you can use an action to expand or reduce its radius of bright and dim light by 5 feet each to a maximum of 30 feet each or a minimum of 10 feet each. Proficiency with a longsword allows you to add your proficiency bonus to the attack roll for any attack you make with it. Basic rules, page 205. This is a good blade. It's a good blade. I like it. I like that it that they specify it's sunlight. I like that it does light up the room so I can like take the hilt out of my belt and like, a, you know, call <laughs> forth, the, right, exactly, call forth the sun blade. I feel like you have to make light the sound up the room, <laughs> which is pretty sweet. Yeah. I also like that. It, so it's an attunement item, which means that if if Joe Schmo grabs my hilt, are they going to be able to turn on the sunblade? They will not. Exactly. Yeah. You have to have it attuned in order to activate it. This is actually a very um. This kind of a, that's kind of sexy. It's a sexy item. Well, it's kind of like a you know. You can't turn it on. Only I can turn it on. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. <laughs> I think lightsabers are sexy too. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I I think that the I, I'm 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 such a fan of this this concept because this hits 
all my good boxes as a as a like good magic item um it is cool it's activatable so it's not just something that's on all the time it's a weapon so you're going to use it all the time and it's, it's got its own um sound noise it's got its sound own sound, sound effect <laughs> that you can add in i mean it, it harkens to pop culture which i always enjoy in in a lot of magic items because it it gives you a point of reference if you give this to a brand new player they're gonna make the sound effect (laughs) you know they don't need to be a player you know you 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 give somebody like a vorpal vorpal sword and you really only know that if you've been a dungeons and dragons player for a long long time or you're a big fan of alice in wonderland uh like those are the those are the only circumstances in which a vorpal blade makes makes any you know yeah. fun reference if, but if anyone said i have a vorpal blade I, i'd go snickersnack yeah like that's right, that's, that's all what i know, know. about it yeah, <laughs> it's know? a very long jabberwocky poem and, and it, it's a powerful weapon of vorpal blade but this sun blade is actually way better for most players because if i hand a vorpal blade to a you know a, a vorpal dagger in a, like a hilarious turnaround to a brand new player they won't get that reference they won't understand what that's about but i hand a sunblade to them and they're like oh my god it's a lightsaber and like that moment is like it's instant for everybody (laughs) so like you get to have that right away and that's awesome um i also like that it is more powerful than a sword but not crazy powerful and because it is actual sunlight coming Mm -hmm. off of it it does extra things if you were in a situation that required sunlight right um and it gets that extra like little boost but only against a targeted type of monster uh, because of the sunlight damage and you Uh, can have proficiency with it for already having proficiency with uh long swords and short swords which a lot of people do um so i think i think this is just a brilliant magic item i think this is a brilliant magic uh you know, piece of of equipment to be to find somewhere to to give to players. This would be high up on my list of like, oh yeah, I'm ready to give that out early on in a campaign oh, yeah. in every campaign I run. Oh yeah, especially because the person who finds it will just find a hilt on the ground, right? And, and they so, go, like, "That's weird. It's just a broken sword." They'll pick it up <laughs> and feel the magic of the sun pulsing through their veins, yeah. and then you'll make the noise. Oh yeah. Now. Is there a moon blade? I feel um, like there should be. Well, actually, uh, my my game master in the clinical role games, Megan Cannell, Dr. Megan Cannell, um, who gave my character who worships the wolf spirit, um, Bairdon Moonfang, a moon blade uh, in a very similar fashion. But it does not extend in the same way. It does not, it does not do that. It just reflects the moonlight. Oh. Yeah, but it is cool. It is actually really cool. Oh, okay. It does like like extra radiant damage stuff, and and the descriptions for it have all been because what you described is just a a blade that you can hold up and like shine the moon. Well, it's more like the shimmery reflection of moonlight against the water. Okay, all right, that's pretty. Right, you got a pretty cute. It's a pretty. It's a pretty cute sword. (laughs) Um, No, I I want the moon blade to be like like um. What's his face's lightsaber? I want it to be the purple lightsaber. Oh, like Mace Windu's lightsaber? Yeah. Oh, I was actually thinking the alternate to this lightsaber should be the black lightsaber. Oh, right. That black blade. Yeah. Oh, that is that so That would be cool. the alternate to this one. That like you want a, a sun blade and then a dark blade. Darkness blade. Yeah. <laughs> like darkness blade. It's so it cool. sucks light out of it the room. It sucks light out of the room. It's like the Deluminator from yeah, Harry Potter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Activatable. And it does necrotic damage. Damage, and it does extra damage against 
angels, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so cool. I don't think there is a direct there a direct opposite to the sun. There blade, is but, now. But there is darkness now we just blade. the darkness blade. The dark darky blade. Shadow blade. Shadow blade. Shadow blade. That's better than where I was gonna go. <laughs> which was emo blade. <laughs> the emo blade. The AFI blade. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's wrap this up. Different kind of thing. Let's bring it to a head. Thank you so much for listening (laughs) to us. Let's bring it to a butt. A butt. Oh, yeah. Because the head would be the start. The caboose. Welcome to the caboose of the show. (laughs) Your caboose. Your caboose. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) thank you so much for listening to us and for, um, blowing another perfectly good hour. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to us and for um, wasting another perfectly good hour listening to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Total waste of your time. Yep. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you. We really do. <laughs> I'm telling you, those stickers are coming and I'm going to start sending them out oh, with yeah. vigor. We're going to get them in the mail any day now, right? Well, the thing is, is like as you know, we just moved and we oh, have yeah, mail and forwarding and the mail forwarding them. got messed up and i had to redo the mail forwarding so hopefully so who knows when they're getting here hopefully it is coming here and it didn't already get here oh yeah that'd be not great all right well if it did then we will order more stickers there you go um so we will have some stickers going out to some people uh make sure and if you submit a question and we answer it on air then we will send you a sticker um someday when we get stickers and um and we always like hearing your questions and we like hearing your feedback if you've already submitted a question and it went great or it went terribly send us that feedback as well yeah. we always like we always like hearing you that. can be mad at us it's cool yeah that's we got right. you we can take it we got you we can take it um you can also submit a review on apple Podcasts, or we are on um i think it's called pod chaser sure uh, which is another place where you can uh, uh, review us. Yeah, su- cool. submit a review, which yeah. which again we live off of. Um, our our website is nextsessionpodcast.com. That's where you can submit questions. You, you can, can find. Oh. You can also find the resources tab that I I am slowly adding to slowly but surely. And you can also suggest things to be on the resources tab. Oh yeah, that works as well. Great idea. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at the Next Session, and on Instagram at Next Session Podcast. So. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. And tune in next time and we'll help you prep for your next session. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.